Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So last week, um, Ricky preached about the wedding in Cana. We read that scripture about how Jesus changed the water into wine. That he did that without drawing really any attention to himself. And in doing so, he revealed the grace and glory of Christ and the abundant life that Jesus offers us. Now this week, Jesus goes to Jerusalem. It's near the time for the Passover. And he goes to the temple. No, really, he busts up in the temple. Let's just be real about it. And then he makes this whip, and he drives out the animals, and um, turns those tables over of the money changers. But before we get too carried away with his actions, let's back up just a little bit and think about what's going on in the temple on that day. You see, this overturning the tables and driving the animals out is not about the fact that they were uh, using shady business practices. That did happen some, but that's not really what's going on. You see, the people, when they came for Passover, some of them traveled great distances, and they would not bring the animals that they had to sacrifice with them. They would buy them at the temple after they got there. And the money changers were important because you couldn't pay your temple tax with any coin that had an image of a human face on it. And so they were necessary to change Roman and Greek coins into appropriate coins to pay the temple tax. All of this was necessary for the sacrifice and for worship in the temple to proceed. So Jesus turns those tables over. He drives those animals out. And then the leaders, the Jews say, so what's your authority for doing that? Why are you claiming that authority? And so he says, I tell you what, destroy this temple and I'm going to raise it up in three days. Can you hear the laughing that's going on in that temple when he says that? We have been building this temple for 46 years. And you think you can build it in three days? That's ridiculous. But then Jesus goes and explains what he's talking about. John writes in the scripture that the temple that Christ is talking about is his body. That he will die and on the third day he will rise from the dead. 
and we will receive life. Now, Jesus definitely disrupts the temple, without a doubt. He definitely disrupts the process of temple worship that day. He overturns not only those tables, but the whole system. And he says, essentially, I am here. I'm the Messiah, and I'm doing a new thing. I wonder what would have happened if Jesus had walked into the temple and said, Hey, guys. Let's do something new now that I'm here. You think they would have received that? It's kind of like a Methodist preacher going to a new church and walking in the first day of worship and saying, we're just going to do everything different because I like it this way. How well would you, the folks of St. Luke's, receive that? Or anybody, right? I served for five years under a pastor um, as an associate in uh, a church in Texas. And he used to tell this story, and he swore it was true. So I just take it for what it is. Um, Now, it's a church in East Texas. And East Texas is about as backwoods as you can be in the state of Texas. So we just kind of have to lay that groundwork. And a new pastor was appointed to this church in East Texas. He had just gotten out of seminary. He was just so excited about serving God and being the pastor, finally, that he had been called to be. And he had all of that seminary knowledge that had expanded his head about how you do everything and how you transform lives and make disciples, how you worship and bring it into the right century, everything. So he got there, and that first week, he worked and worked and worked on the order of worship and the bulletin. And when he had it just the way he wanted it, with all of that new stuff floating in his head, he handed it to the secretary. And the secretary took a pen, and she said, We can't do that. We can't do that. Not that. Not that. Not that him. Nope, nope, nope. And when Sunday rolled around, there wasn't a whole lot left out of that first draft that he had made. So they began worship. And when it came time to pray the Lord's Prayer, everybody in the church stood up, they turned around, they faced the back wall, And they prayed the Lord's Prayer. And then they turned around and they sat back down. Now that pastor was standing there going, that's pretty weird. Now the back wall was painted white. There was nothing to look at on the back wall. He had no idea what was going on. But you know, you you can't let him see you sweat, so he just kept rolling with it. They took up the offering. 
when they got ready to sing the doxology. Everybody stood up. They turned around. They faced the back wall and they sang. And then they turned around and they sat back down. He's beginning to wonder if this place is possessed by a demon at this point. The next Sunday, the very same thing happened. So he began to start asking questions. Why do we do this? And the only answer he ever got was, I don't know. We've just always done it that way. And this went on for weeks. He's still trying to figure out why everybody's standing up, looking at a white wall, and then turning around. The oldest church member lived a distance away in a, in a, a nursing home. And so after a few weeks, he went to visit her. And he was explaining about this phenomenon that keeps happening in worship. And she said, you know, I seem to remember when I was a little girl, there were words on that back wall. We didn't have any hymnals. And they had painted the Lord's Prayer and the doxology on the back wall. And when she was a little girl, she watched her daddy paint the wall white because they had gotten hymnals. But everybody was so used to standing up and turning around and facing the back wall that they did that with their hymnals in their hands. And decades later, they're still doing it because that just seems to be oh, the way we've always done it. So that young pastor made arrangements for the lady in the nursing home to be able to come and worship. And so when she was there and everybody stood up and got ready to turn around, she stood up and said, I think it's time that we do something new. I think it's time we try something new. Is this passage of Jesus coming into the temple and disrupting worship and the system of worship a message for the church? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because those words, because we've always done it this way, have uh, been the death of many a church over time. But I have to tell you that I believe that Jesus overthrows, overturns much more than just the church or temple worship. Jesus Christ overturns things in our lives as well. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I need that. So Wednesday, on the second of the most wonderful snow days I've ever experienced with six people in the house, I made a pot of soup for lunch. And we had a lot left over because I don't know how to make a small pot of soup. 
And so Thursday morning, everybody's getting ready for school. Some are starting late. And, and I don't even remember what caused me to have my big freak out and go into a, a yelling thing. I know it might be hard to believe that I get too loud in my house sometimes, but it happens, probably more than I care to admit. And by the time most of the people went out of the house, I was just, Ugh. And then that Spirit of God began to work on me. Usually I just really fume for a number of hours, and eventually it fades away. But the Spirit of God said, you got to do something and turn this over. Well, Leah Batson had a child with the flu last week. And I didn't know if anybody else had gotten sick because they were desperately trying not to let that spread through the family. <coughs> I didn't know if she was at work, but I picked up that container of the leftover soup and determined that I was going to make sure she got it. And I did. And I just felt better, shifting my heart and my thoughts. It wasn't anything special. It was just a gift. And then I had lunch. Uh, I mentor uh, a younger pastor, and she and I had lunch at Broad Street. And it's king cake season, y'all. And it's the closest, best king cake you can get in the city of Jackson. And my family loves king cake. So I picked up one of those. One more shift away from anger, away from old way into something new. Doesn't seem like it's uh, rocket science, doesn't seem like it's any big deal. It probably wasn't such a big deal, except it was in me that I consciously heard God say, you got to quit doing this stuff. you got to turn it over. Jesus Christ overturns things in our lives. He doesn't leave them as they are, and sometimes I need that. Sometimes we all need that. Sometimes it's scary when that happens. But think about it. Jesus Christ isn't just safe and comforting. Jesus Christ sometimes is radical and brings change. Following Christ will overturn things in our lives. But the question is, will we allow Christ to overturn our hearts and our lives? But I promise you, Jesus will do a new thing in you. You will find life, you will find new life, you will find abundant life, and you will find eternal life. May we praise God for the ways in which Jesus overturns our old ways and shows us his new way.
this new life that we have in him. And may we be willing to change and follow him. Amen.